What's up, sports fans? My name is Lucas Weiss, host of the Wee Sports Chronicles podcast. We got a great guest for you today. Next up is Stephen Ellis. He's a writer and a host for the Hockey News. In this episode, I chat with Stephen about the World Juniors, the Canada-US gold medal game, what's allowed the US to have success at the World Juniors the last 10 years, some Canadian standouts for the future, and then a brief look ahead to the upcoming NHL season, particularly, yes, that all-Canadian division. The Wii Sports Chronicles podcast is on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. So make sure to like, rate, watch, and subscribe to all three of those channels. Now let's get to today's episode with Stephen Ellis on the Wii Sports Chronicles podcast. All right, as I said off the top, if uh, you, you haven't seen Stephen Ellis on Twitter, I, I, I think you, you have to reevaluate your life a little bit. He uh, works at the Hockey News, works at the Line Movement, and he... I don't know, Stephen, did you just become like an artist, like extraordinaire? Because I feel like you've always been an artist, but I think like the, the, the artwork that you did at this World Juniors, you, you've, you've raised the bar, my man. Stephen Ellis, once again, returning on the We Sports Chronicles podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, those, those, those drawings were fun. It was just a way of last year to see uh, the rights holders try to get my Twitter account shut down. So I'm like, I'm not letting that happen. We're going to do something fun with it. And uh, it was nice to do that. Nice to also be done it. But <laughs> it, was, it was fun to do for a little bit. Yeah, the one with like the burrito. That was just like, I mean, that was probably one of my favorites. Uh, I'm, surprised, I'm surprised no one really caught on to what that meaning was because I was doing that for the Americans in the first game. I was doing it for the semifinals in the championship. It's like people didn't seem to, to get what that was supposed to be, but it's like, look at their helmet. Look at the side of their jerseys. What ad do they have? Chipotle. It's like, <laughs> I thought it was genius and people were messaging Chipotle and they're like, like get this guy a sponsorship and i'm like oh i like chipotle so sure i'll do yeah. that but uh at like like literally i think 13 people tweeted at chipotle it's like look at this look at this look at i never heard anything about that but after about that but that was kind of fun it was just like that and trying to come up with giant smiles for the people eventually you, you got to get creative when you get three simple wrist shot goals in a game and yeah it's like well how do i make that one look any different from the last one that happened 45 seconds and uh, so yeah, it was fun. And my favorite one actually is um, I raced in a I racing league on Monday nights, and I had to have my dad tweet for me during the during the, the U.S. Um, semifinal game against Finland for the first period because I was trying to race because I'm in like, I'm in a championship. Of course, some big name drivers. So it's like, oh geez, I gotta do I gotta I gotta do both. So I, I told him what to tweet based off of goals. But I'm watching the game on a, like a second TV over here. My dad's watching in a different room, and then he'll tell me like, "Okay, this guy scored." I'm like, "Okay, say this," so make it sound <laughs> like me. So I actually have my dad tweeting me, tweeting as me for a little bit, which was kind of fun. And people at the end, I'm like, "Thanks, my dad, for doing this." And people are like, "Oh, you got to get him to start drawing." It's like, nope. <laughs> no, no, no. He he could be your comms director, but there's only one art director. That's uh, the one and only Stephen Ellis. That that was again. It, it was a lot of fun, but it's like. I'm also trying to do my job of write, like writing about the game and tweeting about it, and like it's also hard if you with no context you come in and say, "Oh, this guy's just like a, a like trying to make memes." It's like, no, no, no. I'm actually trying to just have some fun with some actual legitimate coverage. Yeah, no, of course. Well, hey, <laughs> Stephen, you know, in, in in 2021, any way to stand out is is all the better. So, uh, you know, great job with that. Well, listen. As I said off the top, Stephen, of course, returning to the We Sports Chronicles podcast. If you want to watch episode 11, where we sort of dig back into 
Steven's backstory a bit, his love for hockey, all, all types of hockey, not just uh, junior hockey, NHL. Please uh, go back and watch that. But Steven, uh, you know, we're, we're a few days removed from that great gold medal game, Canada-USA. Obviously, Canadians probably a little disappointed not, not, not winning the gold. But I remember the days where Canada lost at the World Juniors. And honest to God, the day after on talk radio, there'd be calls for a commission to investigate, to, to you know figure out a way to make Canada better at the World Juniors because, my God, they lost. I felt like this time around, there was a little bit less of that and just more satisfaction that A, they made it this far, B, that we even had a World Juniors. Did you get that sense? Because that's sort of what I got. Because boy, it was it was a great world, you know, great world juniors and great end to, to a great tournament. Yeah, like I did see some like not necessarily on other media, but the same kind of on social media and people were saying like Canada played sloppy. They played, it's like did you watch the same game as me? Because yeah. I thought Canada played fantastic. Just the Americans simply played better. And they had a goalie who was playing the best hockey of the tournament. Um, their defense core was fantastic, and they showed kind of later in the tournament. But even when they almost blew that game against Finland, I still thought their defense was pretty solid and limiting the chances. Just uh, At some point, people do have to admit that the other team just simply played better at mm-hmm. points, and that's what Finland did later. But for in Canada's case, I thought they just did everything right. They, they had some unlucky bounces, like uh, Bowen Barton had a chance in on a breakaway, didn't score. But Connor McMichael had a chance to break away. It wasn't a great effort, but you get, he didn't score. So there, there were some moments there where it's like, yeah, you know, like just some bad bounces. It happens. But mm-hmm. it's a shame, obviously, for if you're a Canadian, for that game to happen because as Ken Campbell was talking, that was probably the best team. And if you look at the stats, yeah. it improves. The best team to never win a gold medal at this tournament, to not win a gold medal at this tournament. And I think that will leave a sour taste in the mouth of a lot of people. They'll say like, "Oh well, the team was good, but they didn't win." It's like, well, I think if you put that tur- that team in the 2019, 2018, 2020 tournaments, I think that Canada team wins. Yeah. Um, over the previous iterations, even with Lafreniere, I just think this team was just simply so strong. And you know, they at the same time they for a team that won 16 to two in a game, I felt like they could have shoot up, they could have <laughs> shot more pucks overall. But um, I- I'd still say like it's just. You know, if you're Canadian, you can just take solace the fact that, yeah, it sucks you had to lose to the Americans, but at least the game was good, and you can admit that the Americans just played a simply better game. And I think if, if people were kind of suggesting otherwise, I would be a little confused. Yeah, and I think the Americans just did a really nice job in that game, just, you know, pushing the Canadians off to the, to, to, to the boards more, you know, whether it was in the offensive zone, not giving them a lot of space in the middle of the ice to really get to work. And... I just think too that you know, look, we 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 look at the gold medal winners and and that history obviously remembers them in the record books. But like you said, and you mentioned your colleague Ken Ken Campbell. I mean, this feels like a team that will be talked about maybe a little bit more than some of the other losing iterations of Team Canada, just because of the fact not only did they produce statistically really well. But just think about what this team had to go through to get to this point. When you think of the the two quarantines, dealing with the health protocols, all that other stuff that was sort of away from the actual games. I know that Dylan Cousins mentioned it after the game, basically shutting down the notion that this team hadn't dealt with any adversity. They, of course, dealt with it during training camp with with COVID-19. So, obviously, not you want to win gold medal if, if you're a Canadian fan, but... 
you gotta be satisfied with the with the way this team played given the circumstances I could see where Dylan Cousins was coming from with that adversity comment. And it's like, you know what, like if, if, you, if the team subscribes to the idea that there was adversity, then mm-hmm. that's what they believe. But they still had the longest training camp of any team. They still yeah. were together more than any other team there. And um, so there's that. And, and they, they had more skill than most other teams by, by quite a long bit. I, I'd still say if you did a seven-game series, I think Canada beats the Americans. But the Americans show, like, as a group, they could just be so good. And that's one of the best American teams you've ever seen in this yeah. tournament. And we knew that was going to be the case with how strong their 2001 age group was. Um, I did not expect, though, I, I didn't expect, I knew Canada's run to the gold would be, uh, a gold medal game would be pretty easy. I just didn't expect it to be shutting out Russia and yeah. shutting out, or not shutting out, but like almost shutting out the Finns. And just simply kind of just steamrolling some of the better teams. Like, why was it that some of the tougher games were against Slovakia and Czech Republic, but the tough, easier games were against Russia and Finland? Like, like that doesn't make much sense to me. So, um, I don't think they face enough adversity. When you look at the Americans, they lost in the very first game. They mm-hmm. had a goaltender crisis very quickly. They uh, they didn't really roll over the Finns going into the gold medal game. And, and not only that, like, uh, just a small minor thing, but the Americans had a, a shorter time off because they had to play the late game and then had to play the, the gold medal game the next day. So they had a bit less time off in Canada. So there's a few things where you look at there. And the Americans didn't get much of a training camp. Um, they've, well, those guys had a quarantine too. So like every team was kind of in the same boat. So that's what makes this tournament kind of special because we hopefully will never have to endure this again. We will never have to have a tournament where we're wondering if for the safety of everyone, if it's worth having. Um, but the fact that for the Americans, like, they're going to hold that medal proudly and yeah. say, like, not only do we beat Canada again for the fourth time and five times in the gold medal game, but we did it under these ex- extreme circumstances, and we were the underdogs. And I think the Americans could be very happy about that. And, and Canada should be very pleased with the performance. It's it's going to be a shame to just see, you know, if you're a Canadian, to not see that team go out there and win. But you get outplayed, you get outplayed. And the Americans will also uh, show that barrel with pride as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought that was funny, and I, 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 I'm a Canadian, and like, uh, obviously there were a lot of people who took offense to it, and the the story behind the barrel thing was a little out but, there. Whatever, sure, yeah, <laughs> I, I, uh, I will believe you, sure, but it would, I wish they kind of just, yeah, yeah, we just thought Canada was trash. I think that'd be yeah. way funnier. Oh, for it's sure. A tournament for teenagers. Some of my favorite moments of the tournament was like was um, Yakupov going out and trashing Team Canada and like other things like that. Like the moments where they show that they're still teenagers makes it fun. I don't want them to already be robots giving cliche answers like yeah. we saw early like in these interviews. It's like I want to see these guys still being so happy that they are where they are and knowing that there's like, there's pride on the table here and uh, whether or not you agree with national pride and things like what's going on in the world but I, i'll say like you you still want to play for your country that's still a huge honor and that's something not many players get to do so when you get to do that i want you to go out there and brag i want you to go be like the russians and they're going and mocking the fans uh things like that like that that's fine and these kids will grow up and they'll learn but let them have some fun no i I agree, and, and like for me, for people to take offense, like sports is so exciting because of the rivalries. Like I think, you and, and you want to see that sort of raw, emotional, you know, back and forth between the teams. And I just think it adds fuel to this rivalry so that next year, if Canada and the U.S. were to play again in the World Juniors, 
Canada may remember that they may use that as motivation. And I think, I don't know, for people like to take offense, it's like, this is, this is what hockey is. I mean, you know, rivalries, you know, are meant to have that sort of back and forth and the best ones do. And I don't know, like that's, it's great for the sport, I think, when things like that happen. I will also call out mostly Canadian fans in this case because yeah. when the team wins, it, again, the rivalry is good, but to go resort to, oh, you won that? Here's our Olympic medal from over 10 years ago. Like, I think that's just a weak response. Yeah, like, come uh, on. I mean, like, that's that's pretty lame, and you, you got to realize that. And it's, you know, just take it with pride knowing that the team still performed it's one thing if they go out there and blow a lead and like they're winning five nothing and then lose six five. Oh, that's never happened before <coughs> russia um but uh <laughs> the uh the it, show some pride and don't go start attacking people and don't go make jokes about what's going on in the capital in regards to the world juniors jeez that was some yeah that was there, pretty but, uh pretty dark uh, turned dark pretty quickly but uh yeah it's <laughs> Uh, it's it's hockey. Yeah, we're talking teenagers here. I, I, people need to take a like a little less serious and personal and stop attack. Like this is shit. I didn't really see any players getting attacked on social media, and, and also I, I do based off of what I've seen. I think that part's kind of overblown. I think like we look at two or three people really being angry about people, and then we can explode it as everyone being so rude to the players. I don't think it's as bad as some people make it out to be, but at the same time, you know it's. Uh, people get passionate about hockey. Yeah, you know, I'm. I just think looking at our medals from 10, 15, 20 years ago is just a pretty weak response. Though. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I definitely agree. And, and you mentioned earlier, Stephen, which, which I, I mean, this two thousand one group, of course, very talented, very, very stellar. And but, I think it was James Myrtle who tweeted like just ranking the last ten years, just the countries that have won the most gold medals at the World Juniors, and the Americans are at the top with four. The last ten years, what is in your from from your research and you following this? Like, what what has led to that? Like, what has led to just sort of? I mean, you're obviously going to have Canada there in the mix, but the Americans have done a really nice job developing and molding some pretty top talent. I will often take an NCAA player at 19 as being a potentially, like if they were equal between an uh, NCAA player at 19 and a CHL player at 19, I definitely give a bit more credit to the NCAA guy just because you're playing often harder competition. Hmm. Um, but um, obviously the U.S. National Development Program has been a success. It took a long time. Like even in the early 2010s there were some pretty just not great years but they've really started to improve on that we see them they're always a contender we knew last year when they lost to finland and, and people i think almost revisionist history on that team where they say like oh like this is not a great term spencer knight lost one game it was a one nothing loss i believe and yeah. like people were saying he didn't have a good term it's like did you not watch him last year <laughs> yeah so uh i think like it's they, the program's just starting to really turn out big players. Like the guys are not going to the OHL. Where we look at the OHL draft, and a top ten is not really the top ten best prospects like you'd see in other drafts. It's because so many of them are going to the U.S. National Development Program, and it's a little different than the WHL. They get drafted a year earlier, but um, for here, it's like some really key players decide, yeah, we're going to go here. So they've now done a good job of attracting the top talent, and it's not just uh, like, oh yeah, this is a, a good program, but not the best. Once it, they got some big players and they got the names that were really important, I think they started to realize, well, okay, we can keep getting more 
quality players and it's like that 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 could like that didn't need to be a long-term change like you just get one or two years of like really good players like Eichel and Matthews and guys like that and then all of a sudden you're going out there and you're getting the Zegers, the Jack Hughes, the Rupert McGordys and stuff. I'm like, let's not forget, Jack Hughes applied for OHL exceptional status. He was actually, if he got that, we may have not been talking about him being on that development team, and maybe that mm-hmm. team looks a little different. But I think that that's still, just the fact that they're able to finally attract the quality start each year where they are getting the best guys, that's that's a really good sign. And um, that familiarity when they get to tournaments are huge because like a lot of that group, have already played together at four or five international tournaments on top of having played together in the program as a group. Um, so that's really good. And, and while the, the 2002 age group wasn't the best year for uh, the U.S. National Development Program, they still got some good players. The 20, 2003 and 2004 are really, really strong groups. So we're going to continue seeing these American teams go out there and be very competitive over the next few years. And we'll probably see the second Jack Hughes. There is a Jack Hughes on the U.S. National Development team. Uh, he goes by Jackson Hughes, but <laughs> not the name he went before he went into this program. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's. I, I think we're going to continue seeing the Americans do well. But the fact that they've got everyone subscribed to that mentality of this is a very good program, that's a good sign. Yeah, like that's that's obviously huge, right? I mean, you know, it takes a while, like you said, to develop a program. And once you get that buy-in and once you get the output that they, that these guys are going to be good, whether it's in the form of gold medals at the World Juniors, success in professional hockey certainly, um, you know, you know, increases the reputation of the program. And you mentioned Trevor Zegras, and, and to me... I thought he was one of the top players in this tournament, you know, if not the top player. I mean, he, he ties America's career world junior all-time scoring and the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, they had a lot of prospects in that gold medal game. Same with the LA Kings. But I think when you look at Zegras and his ability to be a playmaker, make unique plays, you know, his passing ability, fantastic. I just think he, he's going to be a player to watch out for uh, for years to come in the NHL. Zegers is one where he was kind of a polarizing player because it's like you wondered if it's one the one thing I don't like about social media and sharing video clips in a lot of cases is you'll see a guy that will pull off this incredible move against a junior team or even a college team and you're like man look how talented this guy is well he might be very talented the odds of him pulling that off consistently ever in the NHL is like almost nothing yeah um, we so that's why some people some scouts i did a story on like what makes zegers good i talked to some coaches of his and some scouts i was like what what do you notice and the one thing that kept popping up was like he's a wizard with the puck he can just come up with some creative plays and he always makes the defense like the, one of my favorite plays is he'll come one-on-one and he'll just stare at the defenseman and he'll skate he'll skate make the defenseman try to make the first move defense makes the first move zegers gets around goal yeah he does that so effectively and I really like what he could do there. So um, he brings so much to the table in his offensive skill. His defensive play is becoming better. Um, he can kind of just play any role they really need him to, and that's what was really good about him. So Zegers is going to be a very good player. I'm, I'm very, uh, very confident in that. And um, just I don't know how his, again, as, as one scout said, his wizardy uh, skills, I don't know how that will really transfer over in terms of will he be able to pull off all those moves all the time? I don't know. But he's when he gets the puck, he knows what he's going to do with it. Nobody else does. And he often wins those one-on-one puck battles. And I really like watching him. When you look at Canada's team, Stephen, what players stood out to you this tournament? And, and do you have any sense of the players that may return for next year's team? 
Yeah, so the, the obviously Dylan Cousins, that's an easy one for me. He's the the best Canadian player in that tournament, and I had him on my All Star team, and most people did. So he was very worthy of that. Um, he it, it's kind of a shame that he has such a good tournament. He won't be back next year, but he had two really strong runs. I thought he was really good when uh, a year ago, and he really kind of uh, showed up again. Um, this was a very 2001 focused team. There aren't many guys that can return, and of the group that can return, Byfield and Cole Perfetti could both be playing in the NHL. Jamie Drysdale potentially too. And so then you're left with Caden Gooley, and you're left with Dylan Garand. And Garand, he's the he was a backup goalie, but he did get some time playing against Germany. I do think we are going to see him uh, be because he'll be the starter next year, and we'll likely see. Um, uh, Tristan Lennox called up, and we'll see some other guys. So they, they will have some uh, solid goaltending, I think. Um, and I know that was a thing that people were really concerned about this year at the tournament, but the one thing is it's like almost when you watch Canada and you say they don't have a number one goalie going into camp, I think that's almost been like the recipe for success there. Yeah. Um, like Joel Hofer and and uh, Devin Levi back-to-back years. And I know a lot of people, were a lot of, even some of the Twitter scouts who were saying like this is not – a good goal to make team, not even good defense team. But I think they proved that that was two of their strengths in this team, uh, where Devin Levi played fantastic. So it'll be up to Dylan Garand to go out there and, and kind of to play that same role. I uh, the, the thing about the juniors is you can be a small goalie and be pretty good. Like a Devin Levi, I'm not convinced he's going to be that great in the NHL. And, and you know, there's definitely the thing of saying like you know, there's there's when you mention small goalies, people say, oh, like there's there's Halak and there's Kudobin and there's other guys. Very few have ever been NHL starters that yeah. are under six foot in the last 20 years, and very few of them end up being coming long-term NHLers. So the odds are against him, but at the same time, he did everything to really prove himself. But Grant should be there, Kanaguli should be there, and then you're going to have to get a bit creative after that. I think that's uh, that's what just Team Canada. You can continue to have the high turnover. It's just not going to be many guys returning. And maybe Cole Perfetti does come back for one more year. I think that not playing in the OHL this year might actually – the case of him coming back and playing next year but we still don't know at this point because we don't really know what's going on with the nhl after this season yeah and you're, you're absolutely right and i think one guy i mean he's, he's certainly not gonna return next year that, that stood out to me was bowling byram like i thought byram on on the blue line you know this is someone that has great skating ability great ability to make amazing passes like again the colorado avalanche like just take in the prospects that they have, particularly on that blue line with Kale McCarr and potentially Bowen Byram as well. I mean, that Avalanche team is uh, is pretty stacked. Yeah, so Byram can't return because he is a no one. But um, that's uh, the thing about him is, yeah, you, we knew he was going to be a star on his team. He was a year ago when a guy who was eighteen could go and be as effective as he was last year. Uh, that's a really good sign. And then he went out there and was. I would say significantly better this year. So uh, Byram was just a, a, you could you could see it in camp and watching those camp games. Like he knew what he was doing. He was the probably the best player outside of Kirby Doc there, and the, his two way game just continues to impress me. I've watched this guy play since the Bantam days, and it's like you can watch it and say, "Wow." It, it's hard to leave a game and not be impressed with him. And having Jimmy Drysdale, very similar defenseman to him, as his parent, as defense partner, I think made a really exciting duo out there. And we kind of could see that that was going to be the duo all year for them. And it, it worked out very well. So Byron knows how to move the puck. He he can be the, a physical player if he needs to. He can, He's very good at blocking shots. But what I love is that he will 
kind of like Zegers, but in a different way. He'll keep the forwards guessing because he'll make it look like he's going to really push you towards the perimeter, and then you go to the middle to try to offset that, and he'll beat you there, and he'll knock the puck away, and he could just do it even on a long shift. If he's been out there for 45, 50 seconds, he'll still have the energy to make up for it because he's really good at that energy conservation. So I, I love what he's going to be able to do, and he might not play a big role with the Avalanche this year, but he'll be with the team and have the opportunity to play if needed, and I, I really like what he's going to be able to long term you wrote a great uh, blog piece sort of putting a bow on, on on this world junior championship your lead i mean the classic word unprecedented i mean how many times i've heard that word the last uh, year or so it's uh too many to count but uh but you know you know just think and i feel like it's sort of similar with with a lot of sports and whatnot it's like you know the doubt and, and certainly with this tournament there was doubt going in whether it was the right thing to do with with COVID cases and whatnot but obviously we don't want this type of tournament to happen again without we we want fans in the stands obviously and that'll signal that society is a lot safer but given everything going on I mean it certainly I think provided um, a nice distraction and and a nice semblance of normalcy um, given uh, everything going on yeah like like it, it, it's very easy to look at a tournament and say that was not a priority and yeah and it shouldn't have been a priority and having it happen it's like they like there was definitely the risk but at the same time like you, you talk to the experts and people and, and saying like there might not be a safer place than inside a bubble for a high-end hockey event and we saw that the Stanley Cup playoffs we've seen that now with the with the world juniors and it was successful and the thing about the German and Swedish COVID the situation was both those teams had positive COVID cases before they showed up. Mm-hmm. So it was likely just caught late for those guys. So um, there's that. Um, and the same thing is like, there were a lot of people saying like they wouldn't support watching the tournament because of, you know, the, the fact that it may not be the right thing to do and putting the kids at risk, but they all agreed to be there. They wanted to be there. And if you ask them 10 times out of 10, they would, they would say, I want to be there. There were players that on, on some of the smaller teams that declined the opportunity and said they'd rather just stay home. And I bet you there were some other cases that just kind of weren't really publicized that much. But um, in that case, you, know, you definitely respect the, those opinions and you, you can't be wrong with that at all. But uh, the players wanted to be there. They were there. Everyone made it work. And the fact is they, they had no positive cases as soon as the tournament started and everyone was safe and things like that. That's, that's a really good sign. So I it's it's a shame that it started off where there were a lot of concerns but uh because like for these kids it's like a lot of these guys will never play at a high level yeah um this is the biggest event they'll ever play in and a lot of these guys might never ever get a chance to represent their country again on top of that so that meant so much for them to be there and and given what happened in 2020 and, and everything like that they were that was a nice distraction, not only for us as fans and the media and stuff, but for them as mm-hmm. the players. They got to do it. And a lot of those guys haven't played hockey in a long time. So for them to get back into that and have a chance to play for their country, it means a lot. So um, as long as everyone on board was 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 on with on board with everything and they, they went through with everything, I had a feeling it would be a success, and we saw it, and it looked pretty good on there. So it, it, other than the fact there were no fans and uh, everything, like we had a – we still had some great commentary. We still had some great action on the ice. It's not my favorite World Junior Tournament in terms of ice action, but I'd still say like there were some good moments. And um, there's next year we'll get back to talking about how expensive the tickets are. Yeah, we'll be back to normal, and we can we can get back to that. But um, 
I, I never hope we I hope we never see anything like yeah. that again. That that sucked, and I, I feel bad for uh, the Spangler Cup teams. Like I said, yeah. I was a huge event, I'm a huge Spangler Cup fan, and um, the the women's under women's, 18 yep. tournament they got really screwed out of it all too. And like a lot again, a lot of those players won't be able to play again for the country. So um, you you can't take those things for granted going forward. I think. I want to end with quickly because as we're recording this the, the nhl season's about to uh about to begin and, and obviously there's some excitement but also some concerns rightfully so there's going to be no bubbles but in canada the all canadian division and steven i you know i, I think it's it's going to be exciting i mean but again you know with that optimism comes some concerns but also the fact that like the other sports leagues that have happened with, with no bubbles, they just got to, you know, follow the protocols because as you can see with, I know in the NFL, COVID could go through a, a whole team. And the thing about the NFL is there's a lot more roster players there with, with the NHL limited roster. So, I mean, it just stresses the importance even more of following the protocol. So just your thoughts is uh, the NHL season about to start. The good thing is the NHL had their trial run of, of how to handle um, everything during the, the the playoffs. And obviously that bubble situation is going to be different than we have now, but they're still limiting travel. So you're not having to travel for far distances. You're not, you, you don't, for Canada, you're not going across the border. Well, actually, in both cases, you're not going across the border. Um, so there's some positives out of that, but it is going to be a lot tougher to, to navigate. You, you really need everyone, and I mean every single person involved with these hockey teams, to be fully on board with making sure everyone is safe. And we've already seen where there's been reports of Dallas and Columbus where there's potential COVID cases at the time of this recording. So um, they have they need to be very careful. And um, if they go the whole regular season and let's say they have 10 positive cases, that might not, that could still be viewed as a success given that they're still back in the normal world. And um, But we, we I do hope that we get to the point where we're not worrying about this quite soon. And I want to see fans in the stands. There's just no point in risking that right now. And there's some teams that are doing it, and let's hope they, they handle it correctly. But for those in in Canada and on the places where they won't have fans, like just be patient. It will come back, and you'll be able to watch again but uh, in person. But I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm curious on how this is going to go. Um, but it seems like the NHL learned something, and they had that that – fresh start where they were able to do the bubble and they were able to tackle things. And if there was an issue, they could, they were prepared to handle it. So a little different now, but it, it seems like the NHL and all the teams are very confident because I don't think the players, the players were very hesitant to get back to this. They, they want to be playing, but they knew there was a lot of risk of it. And uh, I think that the guys who are willing, the, the fact that they are, are going ahead of everything and there will be uh, for the most part, pretty much every player, every team, well, and there will be every team involved. Um, I think the the people in charge seem very confident about it. And in that case, as fans and media, you just, you got to hope that is the case. I know you have a, a Montreal Canadiens poster behind you, but the Leafs should win this all Canadian division, right? Like, I mean, they, like they do have the best team on paper, but it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, Steven. I actually kind of like Edmonton's chances a bit more. Uh, it's, they don't have a great goaltender, but I just think like, so I was way more impressed with Edmonton last year, and I think they're a better team than they were a year ago. So um, the thing of the really big X factor there is Freddie Anderson actually needs to be good right away. Yeah, uh, he can't have his his usual October start uh, in January because uh, we see how bad he is in the first half of the year. 
our first portion of the year. And you, you can't really make up for that this year. So it's going to be competitive. I, I still, I know a lot of Vancouver fans are kind of souring on the team right now. I'm, I, I still kind of feel some hope. Um, I don't necessarily think they're a better team, but I, I think they still got something going for them. They really peaked at the right time and they learned that experience. And I think that might really help them there. Um, I have no faith in the Canadians and we keep getting ripped apart on our YouTube video preview the have for the like, guys. The Canadians aren't really that much better. Yeah, that, that's actually a Montreal Canadiens form chair, yeah. um, like a real one. And uh, I wasn't even born when that arena closed. It was like a few months later. But um, yeah, it's just like, I, I, I Toronto is definitely one of the top. I would say I, I like Edmonton shot at it. And I like Toronto shot. Vancouver is like a nice third, but it's going to be a good competitive group. But also, like, we're, we're, we can't discount Calgary either. Like, nope. they one bad year, but I think they're a better team than they were last year now. So, uh, assuming Jacob Markstrom plays like Vancouver final two years, Jacob Markstrom, and not like earlier Jacob Markstrom, I think they'll be in a good shape. Stephen Ellis is the host of the Hockey News Now KHL Report and Prospect Podcast. He does hockey content for. The line movement, Stephen, your your coverage of the World Juniors is always so fantastic. All the best to you for the upcoming season, and thanks so much for coming on again, the We Sports Chronicles podcast. Absolutely. It was a lot of fun. Thanks so much.